want to welcome those of you that are joining us online. We're so very glad that you are. Before we get started, I want to provide you with a detailed update on our ongoing missions outreach, of which we have many. But I want to start with Maui, which is obviously close to all of our hearts here on the islands. Uh, while we are planning, Lord willing, and if we're still here, to have Pastor Steve Santos and his wife Kim here on Thursday, March 7th, I do want to apprise you of what's happening now. And to do that, I'll share with you what Pastor Steve wrote me, and I do so with the hopes that you'll continue to pray both persistently and consistently for Maui, and particularly the people of Lahaina. So Steve wrote me, I have permission from him to share this. Lahaina still needs Jesus. Jesus is the only answer, as always, for the trials that we are facing. The government is not the answer, local, state, or feds. And throwing money at this situation won't help because there are way too many hands out needing, and those stealing, I'm sure. And the government is tight-fisted and a bad throw. It's a real mess. 13,000 lost their homes that night on August 8th, with 6,000 plus still displaced, depressed, angry, hurting people, still being temporarily housed by Red Cross and FEMA, at hotels and private vacation rentals on West Maui. Many thousands more trying to figure out life on the other side of the island, and many that have left Maui and Hawaii for the mainland with promises from FEMA to pay their bills for 18 months. FEMA is destroying any future rental market for locals on West Maui by paying landlords thousands of dollars over market value, so that some landlords are now dumping tenants ASAP, trying to, so they can legally raise the rent with FEMA paying them exorbitant amounts of money. All good till they stop, and rent has become more than anyone can afford. Example, what was already high at $3,000 per month for a small two to three bedroom home, FEMA is paying landlords eight to $9,000 per month. And the paperwork and crazy rules to make even that happen are frustrating people to no end but despair. The issue of Lahaina Town, it is still a black, sad, toxic, but still dear to all our hearts, dangerous rubbish heap that many are still fighting over where the debris is to go. The issue of our schools and Keiki are still unsettled with kids now scattered between private schools, pop-up classrooms, and homeschooling, the issue of to work or not to work, to grieve or just drink more. Domestic abuse, already a problem, but now living in such small spaces. Again, pray for people to find Jesus. Jesus is the only answer. And from the looks of things here, there's probably less than 1% of the community that really prays and believes in Him and that He truly hears our prayers and desires to answer, right in line with our wide road world that Jesus warned us of in these last days. For those, those of us who live here, most don't see it, but I believe we're experiencing an up-close look at the end times that all the world will soon be living in. You just see it all closer and clearer when you are living in a Lahaina or Israel. We all got a taste together when the pandemic hit a few years ago. The whole world will likely taste 
like, again, not far off, or localized tragedies will come first. But either way, the world is in for it. And Jesus has graciously warned us. Praise God that He waits today to fill with His Spirit and save any who will call upon the name of Jesus. There's a line from a song that I wrote years ago that always comforts me. In the still of the night you surround me. When the world closes in, you surround me. When I call out your name, you surround me. Thank you, Jesus. So please, don't give up praying for Lahaina. And pray first for people to have their hearts and eyes open to the love of our God found in Jesus. And then pray for us, Calvary Chapel Westside, and pray for me that God's Word would go out clearly and powerfully and reach all who will listen. Love you, JD. Love you, Kelly. Love you, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Pastor Stephen Kim. Aloha. As many of you know, we've come alongside Calvary Chapel Westside with, of course, prayer support, but also financial support. We've not asked for money, nor would we ever ask for money. However, we have been asked by many concerning giving directly to Calvary Chapel Westside in Lahaina. And as such, we're including the link to their website where you can give directly in lieu of giving it to us to give to them, which we would actually prefer. This brings me to our ongoing Israel missions outreach and the ministry that we as a church also financially support, this after spending a considerable amount of time researching and vetting. This because we prayerfully and carefully searched for an established ministry that would get Jesus to both Jews and Arabs in Israel. We've had a number of people inquire about this. And again, we would prefer that you give directly to them instead of going through us. Like with Maui, we've never asked for money, nor would we ever ask for money. Rather, we as a church have sent money that God has already provided to us. Be that as it may, I want to provide you with the contact information so that you can give to them directly instead of giving to us. Uh, please know that we are continuing along with you to financially support the Jews and the Arabs in Israel. And the ministry that we are supporting is one for Israel. And if you would prefer, you can actually reach out to our personal contact, Leah Schultz, who's the advisor to the president. And she gave me permission. I don't think she realized what she was getting into. I said, uh, what about you or your email? She said, yeah, you can give them my email. So <laughs> I'm giving you her email, but also the website link. It's there on the screen. We're also providing the links on the PDF file on our website. Uh, she was kind enough to update me on what God, through One for Israel, has done, is doing, will continue to do. But this is just an abbreviated report that I want to share with you of the last three months of 2023. And it's only that which God could do and all for His glory only. $218,157 visitors to their Hebrew evangelistic sites with the gospel 100 inquiries about the gospel per month. 3,846 times the Hebrew New Testament Bible was read or listened to online, Hebrew. 492 physical Bibles were delivered. 4,338,953 views of the Hebrew YouTube content. 33,681,240 views of the English YouTube content. As for the October 7th war relief, 
which is when and why we sent the initial financial support. Those monies, those donations have been used to provide hundreds of thousands of mattresses, jackets and coats, washers and dryers, sleeping bags, blankets, cell phones, tablets and care packages. Also, One for Israel helped relocate thousands of evacuees and completely fund a mobile school. The testimonies keep pouring in, and I'm going to share one. An Orthodox rabbi, now those of you who are familiar with Orthodox Judaism and the rabbis, this would be inconceivable. But he had been meeting weekly with an One for Israel staff asking questions about the New Testament and Jesus and the faith. This man eventually gave his life to Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is just one testimony of how This was meant for evil, but God has meant it for good for the salvation of many this day. I very much appreciate your patience. Uh, Two more things, if you don't mind, the first of which has to do with our verse-by-verse study through the Old Testament on Thursday nights, 7 p.m. Last week was part one of a teaching through the book of Ezekiel, and it was a chapter that I'm sure none of you have heard about chapter 38. Uh, It was titled Bible Prophecy That's Now Happening, and it was titled that because this is Bible Prophecy That's Now Happening. So this Thursday will be part two as we go through Ezekiel 39, because I did not teach both chapters together. Why not? Most guys do. I didn't want to. How about that? So we're going to do it this Thursday. (laughs) And we're also going to celebrate communion at the conclusion of the Bible study. And I just wanted to share that with you because you're all invited to join with us 7 p.m. That's Hawaii time, locally here or virtually online. Lastly, as I announced last week, Teresa's Celebration of Life will be here at the church this upcoming Saturday. It's February 3rd. It'll begin at 10.55 a.m., and then it will be followed by the graveside service at Mililani Memorial at 2.30 p.m. We would really covet your prayers uh, as a staff, as volunteers, the pastors, myself. Uh, This particular memorial service is a profound and privileged opportunity to get Jesus to people who would not otherwise have Jesus get to them. And so because I was Teresa's pastor and this was Teresa's church, we are profoundly privileged to celebrate her life. And we're going to do so this Saturday. But please do pray for us. This is going to be a very uh, big and Uh, well attended, above capacity, no, not above capacity, to the fire department. We're going to stay within. Wow. Okay. Hey, Jude. Hey. No, don't do that. (laughs) Where did that come from? Whoa. Um, Hey, we're making progress, right? So we started Jude in verse 1. And we got through verse 1. The next week we picked it up in verse 2, and we got through verse 2. Today we're living on the edge, man. We're going to do two verses, 3 and 4. We're making progress. That's our text. So if you're able, no problem if not. But I'll ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. You can follow along beginning in verse 3, where Jude, by the Holy Spirit, writes, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you 
to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. And here's why verse 4. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. Don't look at the person next to you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Let's pray, if you would join with me. Father, this is um, This is hard, but it needs to be hard. And as such, we need so desperately for the Holy Spirit to minister to us the hard truth about contending for the faith and the truth. So Lord, we're going to ask you to right now, right here, take anything that would become a distraction, that would cause our minds to wander, and get it out and keep it out. And in place of any distraction, Will you, by the Holy Spirit, enable us to focus and concentrate and take heed to this warning here in your word? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Speak now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So once again, I need to, though I wish I didn't have to, talk with you about the agonizing contending for the faith and with it the truth. And the reason being is that there are those today who have secretly and covertly creeped in, slipped in, to the church in these last days. And here's what's sad. They seem to have been met with a measure of success in turning the grace of God into both licentiousness and lewdness, immorality, sin. Enter Jude, who by the Holy Spirit, pens this initially wanting it to be about our salvation, the salvation we all share in common. I would have loved to be teaching that letter, but God changed the subject matter of the letter. And instead of it being this glorious, can you imagine this glorious letter written from Jude, of all people, about the glory that awaits us for all of eternity. I would have loved that. (laughs) But it's not there, because the letter was never written. And in its place, this letter was written. And it's a letter with a warning, an urgent warning about contending for the faith. Those of you who joined us for today's prophecy update are hopefully keenly aware of how this is yet another prophetic last day sign like we need one. But it has never, I hope this doesn't sound sensational, it's not intended to be, but It has never been as urgent as it is now in these last days. 
certainly in Jude's day, this was a serious threat that had risen to the level of God interrupting and intervening this writing inspired by the Holy Spirit, penned by Jude, and to interrupt it and say, Jude, you're not going to write that letter. You're going to write this instead. Why? Because this is really serious. What's serious? People are creeping in, slipping in covertly under the radar. And what they're doing is they're wreaking havoc within the church because nothing can happen from without. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church from without. We talked about that in the prophecy update. This is why Balaam, no matter how much money Balak was going to pay him, could not curse the Israelites from without. So he figured out a way. The Bible calls it the way of Balaam. What was the way? Well, I can't do it from without. So I'm going to slip in and do it as an inside job. Can't beat them, join them. So Satan joined the church. And we see the effects of it even now. And again, I hope this doesn't sound sensational, but it is seemingly getting worse with each passing day. I used to say week. Now it's day. And that's not hyperbole. That's literally every single day. I'm on the receiving end of precious people apprising me of what's going on out there. Because, you know, living here in Hawaii, I'm not complaining. You know, we're kind of insulated a little bit. Isolated. You know, we're kind of protected. So we, we don't really you know, hear about what's going on on the mainland until somebody tells you about what's going on in the mainland. And usually your response like mine is, no way, no way, way. No, you, you, that, the church? Yeah. In the church? Yeah. You know, the thing about, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Actually, I'm not. I already did it in the prophecy update. It's pretty bad when you don't remember what you taught an hour ago. Second uh, Timothy, when Paul writes to Timothy about in the last days perilous times will come, and he goes on to grocery list 19 characteristics of the last days. I mean, it's brutal just reading through the list. We did it first service, by the way, for those of you. I'm sorry <laughs> that we're here for first service. You're still here for second service. You are a glutton for punishment. 19 characteristics. And I mean, they are just, they're just horrific, horrific. And we're all prone to dismiss this prophecy, this last day's prophecy, this warning about what will mark the perilous times of the last days. We're, we're prone to dismiss it under the banner of, well, that's the world. That's not the world. That's the church. He's writing to Timothy, the pastor of a church. He's not, it can't be about the world, because when would you ever have anyone inspired by the Holy Spirit pen a letter about the world acting like they're regenerated? That doesn't make any sense. So we're talking about the church. What about the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation? Those are churches the rebuke, the warning, the condition of the last day's church. Dare I say, it's bad. It's really bad. And it's getting worse. And the reason it's getting worse is the very reason that we have a letter like we have from Jude. It's because of who has slipped into the church to destroy, to deny, to deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. And there again, that's a problem. I'm sorry, I'm yelling. I'm not angry. If it is, it's a righteous anger because I'm a pastor. But when you say, well, I would never deny the Lord. 
This is what they're doing. They're, they're denying Jesus Christ, our only Lord and sovereign. I would never deny the Lord. Oh, ask Peter how that worked out for him. Now, we tend to take an example like Peter denying the Lord three times. And we say, well, that, that's pretty overt. This is not overt. This is covert. You know what I mean by that? This is under the radar, as it were. It's so subtle and insidious. And it goes undetected. Because it's not just an overt denying of Jesus Christ. Denying Jesus Christ is false teaching, is a denying of Jesus Christ. Now, at the end of the update, I brought up what's known as the New Apostolic Reformation, a.k.a. NAR. This is New Apostolic Reformation theology. And it has not only crept into the church, but it has spread its tentacles throughout the church. And it denies the Jesus of the Bible, the true Jesus. And it promotes a false Jesus who's a warrior Jesus to fight, fight, fight against the deep state to take control and dominion over the seven mountain mandate, government, education, religion at all. It's roommates with dominion theology, kingdom now theology, which falsely teaches a false Jesus that is going to fight for the kingdom on earth. What I'm speaking about I hope some of you, or at least I hope most of you, but at least some of you know that what I'm speaking about is very real. It's a very real and present danger, and it is destroying the church of Jesus Christ today. I am convinced that Jesus at some point is going to say, that's it. Game over. That's not going to happen anymore. I think we're right there. And that's why I believe the rapture of the church is going to happen at any moment, at a time when people don't expect it. Because see, that goes contrary to these, I'm going to call them influencers. That's what I referred to them as in the prophecy update. These are influencers that are unduly influencing and deceiving Christians, having slipped in, crept in, unaware, undetected. And they brought a different Jesus in, and they're denying the true Jesus. See, this Jesus is going to fight, fight, fight. Forget about the Jesus in the Bible who said, if my kingdom were of this world, my disciples would fight. The reason they're not fighting is because this isn't my kingdom. <laughs> Wait, you want to fight to take the world back or take the country back? Make America great again? Oh, uh, this is a, a warrior Jesus that's going to take dominion over, and this is why we need to run for office? and get in positions of, as elected officials. We need to influence the school boards, and we need to take over the education system, the government system, the political system, all the systems. Where's that in the Bible? And, and they've crept in, and they've been given a blank check, and they've filled in the amount whatever they want. It's already signed. And they've been allowed to do this. And this is why Jude is inspired to change the focus and the subject of his letter to an urgent, agonizing warning. Now, 
that'll come into play here in a moment. But I want to present you with just two reasons that this rises to the level of posing such a formidable threat to the faith and the truth. This is why I have titled the teaching, The Agonizing Contending for the Faith and the Truth, because it's agonizing. What do you mean? Well, the word that Jude chooses and uses in the original Greek for contend carries with it the idea of a wrestler struggling and agonizing. You need to agonize and contend for the faith. Do you realize what's at stake here? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love Jude. I love his heart. When he in verse 3 says that, you know, I, I really wanted to write you about the salvation we share in common, but I, there was an urgency prompted by the Holy Spirit, and I, I have to write you about this very serious matter. I don't want to, but I have to. Oh, how many times, and I, I hope this doesn't come off wrong, how many times have I prepared a teaching or a prophecy update, especially, and thought, oh man, I, I don't want to teach this. It's that bad. I'm admitting openly to you that you know, no, I want to I want to talk about eternal life and salvation and love and let's just have a big group hug. And no, I got to warn the people and contend for the faith and the truth because we're being lied to. And it's agonizing. And I wrestle. <laughs> and it's a struggle. Week in and week out. But the urgency of it is such that I have to do it. And this is what Jude had to do. It's agonizing, yes. Contending for the faith, it's agonizing. But I must do this, warn you about this because of the seriousness of this. Okay, Lord, just calm me down. I want to try to communicate calmly, which I know is foreign to me, as many of you know. <laughs> Someone said, you know, he's, he, sometimes he, he speaks softly. I'm like, are you listening to the right guy? I'm definitely not the strong silent type, I guess you might say. But let me just try. Indulge me. As a father, mother, parent, grandparent, if somebody were to creep into the neighborhood, let alone slip into our home and pose a formidable threat to our family, uh, would that not rise to the level of agonizing and contending for your family? defending them? I mean, would you, father, mother, not go to your death to save your child's life? Greater love hath no man than he lay down his life for another. Listen, if somebody were to pose a threat to my wife, the love of my life, or my children, who I love more than my own life, I'm going to come to their defense. I'm going to stand my ground. And you're not going to come in here and do that here. You're not going to get away with it. Because I am ferociously protective of my family. And so too should we be ferociously protective of our church family. We're a family, right? The family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're siblings. How about that? That explains a lot, doesn't it? 
So if I love you and I do love you, I'm going to do everything to protect you and defend you against any threat. If somebody, by the way, the shelf life, if I can say it like that, of anyone who has tried to come in here, now they don't even try anymore. They're like, yeah, no, just lose this address. It won't work. We tried. We sent a guy in, tried to creep in secretly, and uh, they beat him mercilessly. <laughs> not, not literally. I better, boy, I'm really in trouble today, aren't I? Um, they are physically removed from the property. As soon as we catch wind of somebody coming into this church and infiltrating with any false doctrine, I assure you, <laughs> we're on it. And they are in grave danger. I mean that. And by the way, you need to know that. Don't even think about it. We're going to protect this flock of God. And yes, it is agonizing. And here's the other thing. We get falsely accused of being unloving. Oh, really? Oh, you're not very loving. I heard you kick them out of the church. Now we actually didn't kick them out of the church. We threw them out of the church onto Cam Highway. Actually. Well, wow, you're not very loving and you call yourself a Christian. This is tailored to me. And you call yourself a pastor? Oh, if I had a dollar for every time I've, never mind. Yeah. Um, actually, the Corinthian church thought they were such a loving church. They were boasting about how loving they were, how accepting they were of everyone. No, we're just going to love on you because we, we want you to come back next week. So we've even kind of, you know, toned it down, softened it up. Even with the worship now, we've kind of, we don't do those songs anymore that talk about the blood of Jesus Christ or sin. No, no, we, we just talk about the love of God. Okay, so yeah, come. Yeah, but, you know, and so they, they come to the church. I've got to be careful, I want to point now, especially now. But they come to the church, they sit in the church, and people know who they are and what they've done. And here's what happens. And I can write the next chapter, it's textbook. They're looking at the leadership, they're looking at the pastor going, wait a minute. You know what is going on here, and you're not doing anything about it. I don't feel very safe here now. Because, see, that will spread. A little leaven leavens the whole up. And you let that go unchecked. When somebody like that slips in unaware, and you let it go under the banner of love, you're going to answer to God, because that's not love. I'll tell you what love is. And by the way, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know the chapter, the love chapter that everybody wants read at their wedding, which I don't read at the wedding, which is why I don't do any weddings anymore. I'm not asked to. But that is out of context. Oh, love is, you go down that list, wow. But do you know why Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the love chapter? Because they thought that this is what love is. What did they think love is? They thought it was love to allow a guy who was having sex with his stepmother openly, and they were doing nothing about it. In fact, they were boasting about how loving they were by allowing this guy to come to the church, and they did nothing about it. I said, yeah, we're a loving church. No, you're not. If you really love this guy, here's what you'll do. This is love. You will throw him out on Cam Highway, <laughs> mm -hmm. 
and give him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Whoa! Where's the love? So they did. And you get to 2 Corinthians, and the guy comes to his senses. In other words, you give him over to Satan, let Satan have his way with him. He'll come to his senses and he'll repent. That's love. It's the kindness of God that leads a man to repentance. Oh, it is so agonizing. It is so hard. It's such a hard thing to do because you're going to, you'll forgive me, be damned if you do and damned if you don't. So which way are you going to be damned? I'd rather, is this too much? I'd rather be damned doing what God says I'm to do, even though it's the hard thing. It's the right thing. But it's the hard thing. I mean, who among us? Think about it. Just even interpersonal relationships. Who among us is willing to jeopardize the friendship by speaking the truth in love because of love? Hey, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. I love you very much, friend. But you're going in a direction that will lead to your destruction. And you had better repent before it's too late. That's love. Yeah, but they're going to unfriend me on Facebook. Let them. They'll come back and send you a friend request after they repent. You need to accept it. <laughs> it's kind of like the Corinthians, second, the second letter. They're like, the guy repents. He wants to be restored. They're like, no, we were told to give you over to the destruction of your flesh by the apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And Paul has to write them again and say, come on, you guys, what are you doing? What an extreme church. <laughs> I would not have wanted to go or let alone pastor Calvary Chapel Corinth. I mean, come on, you know, you're going from one extreme to the other. First, you don't do anything about it because you're so loving. And now you won't restore the guy because apparently you're not very loving. So restore him. The guy repented already. It worked. You gave him over to Satan and Satan just, I mean, this guy came to his senses and realized, wow, this is, I have to repent. Return. But repent means a change of mind. You do a 180. You return. But it's so agonizing to do it. I would submit to you that it's, it's even more agonizing one-on-one. -on -one. See, I can stand behind the safety of this pulpit, <laughs> as is my privilege to. And I can just bark and yell at you and scream and we the good. Now, let's do it one on one. That's a little bit more difficult. Eyeball to eyeball, belly to belly. For me, it's more belly than eyeball. <laughs> um, this is hard, but the wounds of a friend are faithful and can be trusted. But if I'm not your friend, if I'm your enemy, I'm just going to tell you what you want to hear. Yeah, you're good. You're good. It's okay. We're all good. It's all good. No, it's actually wrong. It's very wrong. And that's the truth. And the only reason I'm telling you the truth is because I love you. Otherwise, why would I care? Become like, yeah, go ahead. I, this is why I know my wife really loves me. <laughs> she loves me a lot. <laughs> yeah, because she's always telling me the truth because she loves me. I'm like, ouch, ow. No, I'm telling you because I love you. Can you not love me as much, maybe, <laughs> just for a little while? Give me a little a bit of a break, maybe a week. No, she loves me too much. This rises to the level of being so serious because it's so agonizing. And secondly, in verse 4, so too is it so deceiving. I have to confess that this verse, verse 4, is among the most difficult for me personally, such that, like you, I can be too trusting of people. You know when Paul writing to Titus says to the 
pure, all things are pure. To the corrupt, all things are corrupt. Or to the evil, all things are evil. You know what that's saying? This is really important. Don't miss this. You know, if I'm a pathological liar, I'm going to assume that the person I'm talking to is also a pathological liar, because we frame people in the same context of that which we are. So if I'm a liar, I'm just assuming that I'm being lied to, because I'm a liar. But conversely, if I'm walking in integrity, and I'm honest, and I'm trustworthy, I'm going to assume that so too are you walking uprightly and honest with integrity. And this is where we get into a lot of trouble. This is where Jesus warned that we need to be as shrewd as serpents and harmless as doves. We cannot throw our discernment out when it comes to, as Christians, being so welcoming and loving and embracing of people. We have to have discernment. We have to have prudence and understanding, because we're so easily duped and deceived by these people. Because make no mistake about it, to them we're like steel, and they're the magnet. And we are so attractive to them for that very reason. You take a magnet over metal shavings, and those metal shavings are just going to come right to it. And these people are godless deceivers. And, and please don't miss the strength of the warning. They're liars. They're deceivers. They're deniers. They're defiers. And they're attracted to us and slip in among us. And they do so with the sole goal of confusing and deceiving us, turning the grace of God into a license to sin, a permit, permission, thus denying Jesus. And again, that comes in covert and overt forms, but this is so subtle as to be undetected. And what you see in the wake of something like this are churches that are completely divided, completely. I mean, first of all, uh, now I am getting ahead of myself, so I'm just going to go there. Second Peter chapter 2. I want to read verses 1 through 3. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will, here it is, secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them. He's echoing Jude. Jude is echoing Peter because they're tuned to the same tuning fork of the Holy Spirit of one mind and one accord. The warning is the same. The author is different. They're saying the same thing. Please, I beseech you, you need to be warned and take heed to this warning, because they're going to come in secretly, and they're going to bring with them these destructive heresies. And they're going to deny Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Sovereign, and thankfully bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, sadly, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. I like that phrasing, the destruction, the judgment. It doesn't take a nap. It is wide awake at the ready. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. Again, please don't miss the strength of these warnings. For such men, Paul writes, are false apostles, false influencers, 
false teachers, deceitful workmen. This is their trade. They're good at it. They're skilled in their deceit, their craft, masquerading as apostles of Christ. Stop right there. Wow. In other words, you know what a masquerade is? It's a mask. Masquerade. They they put on the mask, they put on the act to deceive. And they masquerade as apostles of Christ. And here's the gullible Christian going, oh, come on in, you're a Christian, you're an apostle of Christ, you're a brother in Christ. Oh, come on in, here, make yourself at home. And no wonder, Paul says, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. Can't wait. What's the point of this warning and all the warnings with it? It's simply this. They will fool you, deceive you. They will mislead you. Be warned, beware. They might come. I mean, can you imagine Satan when he tries to slip in? Hi, my name is Lucifer. Can I have a bulletin? (laughs) I'm here to divide your church and destroy your people. No, he has to come in as an angel of light. He has to masquerade as such. And so too does his ah, I, I, I hate it. I wish it wasn't here. I don't mean to say it like that of a verse or a word in God's Word. But I don't like that Paul would say that these are Satan's servants. Have you ever thought of it like that? You know, we, we're servants of, of Christ. Well, they're servants of Satan. They serve and do his bidding. And they masquerade themselves as Christians. And they're not. But they want you to think they're Christians, because if you think they're a Christian, you'll let your guard down, and then it's game over. They're so deceived, and deceived people deceive people. Last one, and I'm going to end with this. I'll tell you, when you teach the Word of God verse by verse, you cannot get away with skipping over verses 3 and 4 of Jude. Because if you could, I'm just telling you, I would. Because I don't want to teach this. I don't want to stand up here and have to be the bearer of bad news. Kind of like, I don't want to tell you this, but I have to tell you this. And I love you enough to tell you this. Now, we're about to hear the Apostle Paul, recorded by Luke in the book of Acts, inspired by the Holy Spirit, describe very passionately, very emotionally, very personally, the intensity with which he knew that this would happen, where people would slip into the church unaware. Verse 28, he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood, his church. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and, listen, distort the truth in order to draw away, turn away 
disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. He wept bitter tears day and night for three years, warning them about these wolves in sheep's clothing that look like sheep, look like Christians, sound like Christians, talk like Christians, but they're wolves and they will not spare you. They will distort the truth. They'll twist it, turn it, as Jude says. Turning the truth, the grace of God into licentiousness. That's a big word, right? Licentiousness means that you've been given license to do whatever you want. Let me end this way, and I want to end probably as much as you want me to end, if not more. (laughs) Please be very careful. When you watch a YouTube video, you better watch out when you watch that YouTube video. These are wolves. And they're turning you away from the true Jesus and drawing you unto themselves to subscribe, like, and share. And then, oh, by the way, uh, support my, uh, you know, work. So it's a new and improved way of asking for money like they did back in the day with the televangelists. They probably still do. I just don't know because I don't watch TV. (laughs) But, you know, without your support, this broadcast cannot stay on the air. Cool. Maybe it's not supposed to stay on the air. I mean, you're poor mouthing God. It's kind of like God has been hit by the recent financial crisis. So God needs money and we need to keep this thing on the air. No, you need to keep your jet in the air. Well, come on, please. I'm, 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 I'm imploring you. I'm pleading with you. Please don't be so naive. When you watch a video or hear anyone talk about, we need to fight, fight, fight. They're a false teacher. They're a wolf in sheep's clothing. And they're leading people astray. And their judgment is waiting and wide awake. And they will get what they deserve. But until then, it is on us to be warned and be aware and not be so gullible to listen to these false teachers, these deceivers. They're they're teaching about a different Jesus. They're not teaching biblical doctrine, sound doctrine. And they're deceiving you. So be on your guard. And uh, I am, we as pastors and a staff and the many servants who serve in this God's church, we rely upon you to let us know, especially me, because my goodness, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I'm not able to. They say that a pastor can only really get to know his flock when they're about 75 people or less. Well, that just locally, forget online. How am I going to do that? So we rely on you to bring to our attention anyone who would come into this church and start saying things like, you know, we've got this um, Bible study over here. We get into the deep. No, Pastor JD's, uh, you know, I love Pastor JD. You always know when they start off like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love Pastor Steve, but we really get into the deep things of God. 
run as far away as you can, as fast as you can from them, but not before letting us know about them. Because it will not happen as long as God gives me breath and the privilege to be the pastor of this amazing church. It will never happen under my watch, ever happen. This will be a safe place for you to come, to hear the truth of God's Word being preached, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And I will give an account to God for that truth. When I stand up here, we're judged by a higher standard. So I take that very seriously, by the way. And I take responsibility as the overseer, the pastor of this God's flock, which the Holy Spirit has made me and called me to. So just like with my family, if I find out somebody slipped in, which is why we don't let the TV slip in with all of its rubbish influencing the family. So if I find out somebody is unduly influencing and deceiving my family, (laughs) if somebody does it here in my church family, not going to happen. And we are committed to you. Will you commit to us to help us keep this church safe from these wolves? No wolves getting in here, not even getting close. In fact, they shouldn't even drive on Cam Highway in front of the church. Okay. Capona, once again, come up and save me from myself and these precious people as well. Why don't you stand? Ah, tough, ah, tough. Are you guys okay? Did you receive this? Are you going to take heed to this warning? Do you understand why? This is such a serious warning. What's at stake here? Thank you. Thank you for being an amazing church, making the pastorate such a joy. It is such a joy and such a privilege. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Okay, Lord, (laughs) you take it from here. This is your church. We're your servants. Protect us, Lord. Give us discernment, Lord. Lord, thank you for this warning. We're heeding this warning. We're needing this warning, especially now, because it's getting really bad. Lord, I pray that these influencers that have infiltrated with their heretical doctrines of demons, would be recognized immediately and dealt with biblically so that we can be found faithful, having taken heed to this, your word, in this, your church. So grant us that grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be by his nail pierced hands. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than man's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. Yes, I'd rather be true 
to his holy name than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today then this world affords today this world affords today the Lord be with you God bless